We're joined by Aldo Romani and Nancy Sheikh. <laughs> no Connery impersonations. Please. What's wrong with my Sean Connery? Bond, Green Bond. Okay, uh, enough Sean Connery then. Yeah, somebody put it uh, on, a, on the title of an article in 2007, in Italy, in fact. My name is Bond, Green Bond. My name is Bond, Green <laughs> Bond. Interview, an interview, I, I had an interview at the time with the Sole 24 Hours, and they put it there. You're listening to the voice there of Aldo Romani. Are we already on? Yes, we're already on. Oh, my goodness. He's a managerial advisor in the capital markets department of the EIB's finance directorate. He's kind of, he's Mr. Greenborn. But uh, he's also visible outside the bank. If you ever come to Luxembourg, uh, you could come to uh, Boulevard uh, Conrad Adenauer and see him riding on his longboard, which is a big skateboard. Uh, every day to work. And he does it rather joyously, waving his arms and with a big smile. We also have with us Nancy Sage, who is the Senior Technical Advisor in Climate and Environment in the EIB's Environment, Climate and Social Office. Nancy started here at the bank as a civil engineer uh, working as a port specialist. And um, in her free time, you like to do what? I really like to ski. I'm not very uh, fit anymore, but I really love to be in the mountains with my friends and my family and, yep, get out mm. on the slopes. Mm. Must make you think about the environment and green things. Well, I've heard actually climate change has significantly curved the, um, the, uh, the banks, not DIB because I don't think we do that, but banks in general are not lending to ski resorts below... A, uh, a certain altitude anymore because the, the, the climate is becoming unsuitable for these ski resorts. Is that right? Yeah, well, I, I haven't studied it, but I do notice that as you travel through the lower resorts, you see a lot more closed shops and closed hotels. And I would say that the higher resorts are uh, indeed likely to be receiving new visitors who previously used to go to lower lower ski stations. What we all think of when we think of skiing is uh, financial instruments. I believe I'm correct in saying that. So let's say, uh, let's, let's start by asking Nancy, what is a green bond? Well, I can answer that from the angle of the climate and environment side. It's really a way of making sure that investors' money through a particular vehicle, and Aldo will explain how that all works financially, Uh, addresses a real problem in the real world, which is climate change and degradation of environmental systems and biodiversity loss. So by directing money, investors can direct their money to those objectives that they really want to support through a vehicle called a green bond. That's why they're green. First, it's a bond. So what's a bond? Uh, A bond is a promise to give you money back if you give money first uh, with the additional uh, payment of an interest on it, so that uh, um, the issuer of a bond can use the money for uh, the purposes uh, that he thinks uh, appropriate. Now, let's take, uh, for example, the EIB. We uh, we issue, I think, depending on the year, between sixty and ninety billion in bonds. Um, uh, we don't issue specific bonds for, uh, I don't know, educational projects or or um, you know, hospitals. But we do issue specific bonds for our climate financing. Why is that? 
Well, the, uh, it is true. Uh, the uh, EIB issue uh, only green bonds with a focus on climate. This has historic reasons. Uh, the 10th anniversary of uh, the first green bond is also the 10th anniversary of the Declaration of Berlin, uh, which in 2007 uh, put uh, uh, energy and, and climate protection at the heart of European integration. An energy action plan was adopted, uh, which set ambitious uh, GAG emission targets. And uh, the IBE, as an instrument of European public policy, was asked uh, to, uh, well, put uh, this into practice. So we, uh, while uh, scaling up our um, lending in, for example, renewable energies and energy efficiency and energy efficiency, we decided to involve capital markets uh, into, this, uh, into the actual delivery of this project uh, with issues of green bonds and uh, using uh, effectively uh, accountability uh, and, uh, um, in, in, uh, and, and precision in the description of uh, the uh, finance projects as a way to capture investor imagination. And, uh, and this accountability and this precision, this means telling the investors very specifically that for the money that you put, that you gave us, we did this and this and this, and these are actually good for the environment, good for the climate. Exactly. But you're telling us there that the EIB, the European Investment Bank, developed the first green bond. Exactly. Was it called a green bond? No, it was called a climate awareness bond, in fact. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's still called the climate awareness bond. And it is still bond. called uh, climate awareness green, bond. Green bond is kind of a catch-all phrase right, for the market. Yes, because a green, uh, according to some definitions, not, does not only entail uh, uh, climate, but also, for example, pollution control or uh, mm -hmm. natural resource depletion or biodiversity loss. Uh, so everything that has to do with environmental protection. About how much does that climate awareness bond or, 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 or a green bond in general, how much would that cost? Is that something, are we talking about tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands if i want to buy a green bond well can actually I do the, that? the first green bond was in, was especially uh, especially designed to provide even the smallest retail investor in europe with the opportunity to be part of this project oh really the minimum denomination was 100 euros oh nice so we wanted to offer people the opportunity to buy these bonds at their uh, is and according to their individual circumstances. Uh, nowadays, uh, the uh, normal denomination for a bond of this kind is 1,000 euro. Mm -hmm. But who mostly buys them? Well, basically, uh, everybody um, in uh, uh, the markets. Uh, of course, uh, um, there are not too many of these bonds around, and institutional investors uh, tend to uh, buy them uh, uh, first. But this is also a market that is extending now increasingly to, for example, financial institutions that have retail networks and can distribute these products uh, through uh, to their own clients at the small local branch. But let's say if if I'm a if I'm an investor and I and I see on the market a a green EIB bond and a non-green EIB bond, mm -hmm. um, besides knowing what you know, besides what will be done with that money. Uh, what, what are the differences for me financially? There is absolutely no uh, difference uh, in, in financial terms or in your rights. Uh, your uh, exposure is to the credit merit of the issuer as a whole. Well, and what about the, the, the costs, the, the yields and things? Are they, you know, 
Well, uh, is that green more more expensive? Do I have to? No, in principle, um, the price is uh, exactly the same, and so far this has also been the case. It is true that there is more demand than supply. And of course, when uh, there is more demand than supply, you typically have uh, an outperformance of what is uh, in, uh, in demand. Mm. So the investors that are able to buy these bonds have seen uh, these bonds uh, outperform um, in uh, uh, the secondary market. And um, this has provided them with a good performance. Mm-hmm. Can I just pick up on something you said, because you talked about the non-green bond. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth mentioning that although green bonds have this specific purpose, there is an increasing interest in normal bonds of any sort as to what is the environment, social and climate mm-hmm. governance around those bonds. And that is a very important selling point for the bank's main bonds, mm-hmm. that we have very strong structure yeah. So I wouldn't say they're non-green. Yeah, yes, yeah. okay, they are not categorized as green, but we have very strict environmental, social and climate Absolutely. standards. And increase, increasingly, this is actually something that um, investors of all sorts and also rating agencies look at on our normal bonds. Yeah. And we have to uh, show a lot of information about our environmental standards on our normal bonds. Yeah, we wouldn't be financing something you know harmful to the environment with our normal bonds. Uh, But I still want to understand a little bit the the practicalities of of how it works. Let's say um, the the EIB is going to be uh, financing a a wind farm. So we have to raise the money to finance that wind farm and we sell a bond. The people who are buying the bond, we tell them this money will all be used to finance a wind farm. Is that essentially how it works? Um, So they know that they get a green investment. Well, uh, specific uh, about uh, uh, green bonds is the fact that the issuer clarifies in advance the features of the uh, activities to which the proceeds of the issuer will be allocated. So you don't know necessarily in advance uh, what will be exactly the specific project that will exactly be financed Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, um, uh, the monies, but you know that those uh, activities will in any case live up to certain mm-hmm. requirements. But is mm-hmm. anyone checking up on us? Are there audits being done? You know, what did you actually use the green bonds money for? This is exactly the uh, crucial, another crucial component of this uh, product. You do not only have uh, a, an administration that secures a reliable allocation process, but you also have um, reporting on what actually happens. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, um, it's a matter of uh, uh, delivering on what you have promised. And indeed, increasingly, uh, this uh, delivery is uh, checked and uh, uh, reported on by uh, external independent reviewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the EIB, for example, we have uh, um, submitted uh, our practice, which includes issuance, management of proceeds, and mm-hmm. uh, reporting, to um, an external audit by an independent uh, auditor. Hmm. But under the green bond principles, there is a number of different process requirements, if you like, and one of them is indeed to have a a different party reviewing what you're doing. And there are different ways that can be done. So different issuers of green bonds can opt for different ways of doing this, but there is a requirement indeed to to show to the investors that what you're doing... 
uh, is being checked by somebody. But is there, is there, sorry, is there, is there broad agreement between those who are doing the checking externally and between, you know, people doing the financing here in the bank and between the investors on what can, constitutes green, what constitutes climate awareness, uh, you know, what can and cannot be done with that kind of money? Well, there are two um, aspects to this. Uh, there are aspects that are specifically uh, related to the arrangements that are put in place with regard to the product. So, for example, the way in which you indeed allocate those proceeds to the, pro to the uh, activities that you have uh, told investors you would allocate them to. But there is, of course, the other component of the underlying green mm -hmm. substance. And as far as green, there are different opinions also in uh, the market, but not only in the market, in uh, uh, in the economy as to what is green. And uh, um, in fact, what this product has created is a number of questions mm. that in the past three years have been posed by capital market participants to experts like Nancy, for example, as to why certain activities can be considered uh, serving certain objectives more than others. This debate is ongoing and uh, uh, increasingly, for example, at our institution, Uh, technical specialists and capital market experts uh, discuss together how to best um, organize this discussion. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get to that a little bit because how do you measure what's saved? You know, in other words, by building this wind farm, this amount of carbon dioxide has not been emitted. How do you measure that? Well, um, you... Generally, I mean, there's a lot of discussion about that as well, but there has been a lot of work to try and establish standards around that. And we work with a big group of um, finance institutions on these kind of topics because obviously it's not helpful to investors or indeed any other stakeholders if we're all using different methodologies and publishing numbers based on totally different approaches. So there's been a lot of work What you're basically normally trying to do is compare what the project's impact is compared to what would have been done without the project. But are you comparing against the worst case scenario? So if you look at a wind farm, you look at the most, the, the dirtiest way to generate electricity. Well, I think in the past there was a bit of a tendency sometimes to do that. Um, at the bank, we've had quite a strict methodology for a number of years, but a number of other organisations haven't done that greenhouse gas uh, work. And I think they look to players in the market who've been doing this for some time to help lead the work. So there's a number of institutions, we're one, but there are many, who've been doing this work for quite a long time. And, and we actually published for the Paris COP Uh, some papers on harmonized approaches for renewable energy, energy efficiency and transport. And that was linked to some other work that we were doing with FEE and the other financial institutions on impact reporting for green bonds. Because the impact reporting is for our projects and for the green bonds and the two have to be compatible. Mm -hmm. And I would like to skip in uh, here um, because uh, uh, you can uh, see a peculiarity of markets um, Uh, a play in this area, which is very positive. In fact, uh, it is a competition at the service of, uh, uh, for example, uh, clarifications with regard to environmental issues. The moment you have uh, a product that uh, permits uh, uh, external uh, stakeholders, investors, to see in detail what you're doing, mm -hmm. um, there is a kind of a disciplining mechanism because peer pressure 
all of a sudden mm-hmm. comes to play. Mm-hmm. If you do something uh, well, you want to show it in the market and others will look at it and uh, will, uh, uh, of course, also be incentivized uh, to do uh, better or to show that they are doing already So well. other financial institutions. Other financial for, yeah. institutions, for mm-hmm. example. So there is a kind of a positive um, self-feeding mechanism here that uh, is uh, improving, uh, actually Nancy calls it mainstreaming, that is uh, basically um, permitting a, a clearer dissemination of information about core issues and about best practice. Mm-hmm. I think it's clarifying two very important things, whether you're talking about climate, as we are, or whether you're talking about environment or biodiversity. What's really important and what the capital market requirements brings is a need to clearly define what it is you're going to do with the money in a green Mm -hmm. bond and to make that clear by writing it down and sharing it with the investors and the public. And when you do that, it creates, obviously, as Aldo says, a comparison. So then people can discuss, investors can see how does this purpose of this green bond compare with another one. And the same in impact reporting in terms of what is the expected impact of these green projects, shall we say. So it's created a drive for more harmonisation and transparency in the definitions, and at the same time, better harmonisation and transparency in reporting of the impacts. Of course, this positive peer pressure mechanism works only on one condition, that you have comparability Mm. on what people do. And this is another important aspect of uh, the market contribution um, that I would like to highlight, because uh, indeed it has led to a discussion about definitions, and people have seen that different uh, issuers, different lenders, um, use different classification systems. So this has uh, highlighted the opportunity of a discussion or at least a translation between the different classification systems. So there is a, uh, a trend towards uh, the uh, rediscovery of the opportunity of a common language Mm. in green finance. How big is the market now? Well, the market has trespassed uh, this year the 200 billion uh, mark. Uh, It has experienced an exponential development in the past uh, uh, three years. And uh, what I would like to highlight uh, is uh, that while these amounts are fairly limited vis-à-vis the total amount of bonds that are issued in the world, there are these, um, how could I say, multiplicator effects, these leverage effects that are currently at play. And I do very much see the size of this market as an indicator of this greening process that we are witnessing in the uh, economy as a whole. That's 200 billion US dollars or euros. It is 200 billion euro, uh, sorry, dollars. Uh-huh. Who, who are the biggest players in that market? Well, initially, it was uh, multilateral development banks because, uh, uh, like us, uh, other multilateral institutions were being asked uh, quicker than others to do uh, more in certain areas, and uh, they were quick to react with this concept. But in the meantime, this is uh, developing to a market that has a plurality of uh, issues. It's a very health, uh, healthy uh, uh, development, which this year has also seen, uh, uh, for example, sovereigns like France come to the market for the first place. And this is very important because um, 
the market needs uh, any kind of market needs uh, uh, diversification opportunities in terms of yield, in terms of credit merit. Not everybody can buy only the bonds of the EIB or uh, France. And also in terms of pricing, it is important to have relevant uh, market references to uh, take into consideration when pricing a new issue. But on the other end of things, let's say the, the investors who are buying them, what is the incentive for them? And do they need to show on their, you know, if they're a big company, do they need to show that, okay, we're emitting all this stuff, but we're also buying bonds that offset this? Is that how they work? Uh, well, this is quite interesting because um, the success of this product is part of a systemic change in the way in which, uh, in fact, the financial industry is being uh, uh, organized. Um, Increasingly, for example, in certain countries like France, you have uh, uh, legislation in place that is indeed requiring investors to clarify, uh, for example, the GAG, the carbon footprint of their investments. So they have more interest than in the past in the information that green bonds provide. So you have a kind of a knock-on effect, a knock-on effect that is uh, um, creating virtuous uh, circles uh, in uh, the markets and, of course, creating the conditions also for a better um, service uh, of the markets um, f uh, towards uh, uh, public policy goals. And I think it's important to mention here that um, we talked about climate quite a bit, but there are other types of big international efforts where financial institutions are being asked to show that they're taking it seriously. So one thing is to be asked to show whether your portfolio of investments or activities is compatible with the Paris Agreement. Obviously, that's the climate change angle. Um, another side of that is to show whether your investments are actually resilient to climate change. So have you thought about the risk angle? And there's been a lot of questions asked in, of financial institutions. But increasingly, there's also the issue about overall sustainability. That's why I was highlighting the rest of our bonds, uh, because whatever kind of financial institution you are, I think the world in which you could focus on one small green or climate part and kind of hope that nobody was going to notice what the other things you were doing, that, that world is going away. And increasingly, all types of, of institutions and players are being asked to report on the whole package, as it were. One of the, uh, one of the things you mentioned there is the Paris Agreement. Now, that had a big financial angle, the agreement or the commitment that multilateral development banks there was that f up until 2020 and that agreement was in 2015 they would uh, there was a need to support a hundred billion US dollars each year of uh, action against climate change have I got that right? Not quite. No, it's basically good. good. That would be ridiculous <laughs> if I was able to actually repeat something it's like that. It's the famous hundred billion pledge, if you like. It's actually from Copenhagen, from the COP in Copenhagen, uh, but it is actually also enshrined in the Paris Agreement. It's basically that developed countries committed that they would that there would be a hundred billion dollars of climate finance flowing to developing countries each year by 2020. But it doesn't mean directly from MDBs. It means generally, including mobilised finance and so on. How far but along are we? Sorry? How far along are we? Well, we, as the others, were asked to step up for Paris and to show what we were going to do. So we already had quite a tough target, which is to do more than 25% globally in climate finance. But our president along with the other presidents uh, at Paris, 
um, committed to do more to support the 100 billion pledge. So we've set, or the president has set us the goal to go to 35% uh, by 2020 in developing countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the other multilateral development banks were also asked and have also committed to do things depending on their mandates by 2020. But obviously not just the MDBs. Uh, it's a sure. requirement for the general finance world to do more. The reason I brought that up was not just to show that the only thing I remembered from that fact was, you know, $100 billion a year, uh, was actually to say what what role does the green bond market have to play in raising that $100 billion? Well, I think it does have a role to play. I think it has a role to play in two ways. One is literally the money, you know, getting money from investors And then the challenge is to make sure that you've got projects that are in developing countries because that's where the projects need to be and where the money has to be flowing to. But by having green bonds and by having these targets, it also means that we have to have projects that we're lending to as well. So it's actually a driver for our lending to show that we are indeed supporting the the flow. But green bonds are also a way of investors directing their money towards that aim as well. Do you think, although that there is a, a possibility for the market to expand so much for green bonds that it could actually meet that that figure by itself? Absolutely. Also because I do not believe in an incremental um, uh, dimension of this uh, of this. Uh, um, quantities of of financing. Um, What I uh, really believe is that uh, uh, there needs to be a reclassification, a greening of what is already there, in fact. And what green bonds are about is indeed understanding what is worth changing in order to strive for certain uh, objectives. And the questions that are being posed are very clear. Which are the activities? Which are the policy objectives? What are the primary measures of uh, the contributions of activities to policy objectives? And if you come to a clearer uh, description of uh, the various parameters, then people will have the opportunity to um, make their decisions more effectively at the service of those goals. This is the bet and the challenge that we are uh, currently facing, uh, all those that are uh, engaging themselves Uh, in this kind of uh, uh, activity. Nancy, some people think climate change doesn't exist. We know a few of them are quite famous, uh, but there are a lot of them. Uh, Does that make green bonds in any way controversial? I don't think so. I think um, at the end of the day, um, with all due respect to the media, I think the disagreement level is much lower than is portrayed. Um, Basically, you have the IPCC, which is apart from one or two, all the world scientists who produce regularly these reports to the world's governments showing the way things are going and have been doing for a number of years. I think also the data that we gather now shows that this is happening already and we are getting better at projecting to a certain extent some of the things that are going to happen. So, I mean, I think that it's not going to have any effect. The the very small number of people that are putting out this message are unfortunately influencing people. But I think the main concern is they're really influencing people to be inactive, which is a shame because actually there's a lot that individual people can do. 
But there are investors out there who want green bonds because they want to do something. And I think that can only grow. So I don't think it's going to affect the green bond market. Um, Unfortunately, the problem we have at the moment is a question of urgency in terms of climate change. Because we have, as a species, not done enough over the last few decades. And now we're really at the point where we need to take it seriously and do things more quickly. So the Paris Agreement is absolutely essential because it brings everybody together. But the issue now is we haven't got a lot of time to really reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. And therefore, we no longer have the luxury of choosing different options. We need to use every instrument available to direct money towards low-carbon climate-resilient assets, whilst at the same time supporting biodiversity and and environmental um, protection. So the green bond is a very, very important part of that. We have to do all the things that we can, whether it's lending, mainstreaming, green bonds, all the options need to be on the table. Well, time is also running out for our podcast here. So uh, we'll end it there. Nancy and Aldo, thank you so much for being with us. By the time our listeners uh, actually have this on their devices to listen to, you will, both of you, have been at the the COP in Bonn, the Conference of Parties, to take the green bond market and other aspects of, of climate finance to the next stage. So good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, and we'll uh, see you again next week. Uh, So uh, please do subscribe to A Dictionary of Finance and um, let us know what other terms and concepts you would like to have explained on the show by contacting us via Twitter. I'm at Alar Tankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. I'm at E-I-B-Matt.